Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. So there's this uh, pretty awesome worship song that I love. Um, It's called The Storm Is Over Now. And as you can see, today we're going to be talking about being anchored. And in this song that I've heard for many years, I'm not even sure how old it is, pretty old song, but the lyric says, it is over now, I feel like I can make it, the storm is over now. And when I listen to that song, I'm always at a loss for words, right? I wish I could say because the lyrics and music is so good, but normally I'm in conflict because I do not believe the storm is over. (laughs) And I'm not sure how this is the one that showed up on my Pandora because (laughs) it's not over. And I, I get so frustrated that I do that. I'm always pulling these storm clouds back into my life. And in Proverbs 10, verse 25, we are reminded on what storms should look like for believers. Right? It says, when the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. The scripture is beautiful because it reminds us that as the storms of life comes, we as his followers should actually rejoice because of our lasting foundation in him, right? focused on him, finding refuge in him, working with him to tame the force of any storm in our lives. And I use the word tame, not erase or get rid of, Because storms and troubles, they'll come. In John, Jesus reminds us that you will have trouble in this world, but we should be rejoiceful because he has overcome it. So tame because we are resting in the foundation of Jesus. Tame because that storm no longer has power. That storm no longer can take, that storm should no longer, we should fear because we're resting in the foundation of Jesus. But for me, maybe some of us in the room too, every new disappointment, every frustration, every heartbreak, our betrayal, we tend to give this storm so much more power than what it has. But in doing that, We're losing focus on him. We're losing our refuge in him. We are no longer walking with him. So today, I want to lower that possibility of us doing that. I want to talk about how even though the frustrations will come, the disappointments will come, the betrayal and the heartbreak, that we can remain anchored in him and we can remain at peace. So why should we even be anchored, right? Seems silly to even ask that questions in a room full of believers, but what do we really gain from it, knowing that someone is there supporting us, knowing that someone is there walking with us? I want to share a quick story. 
So we have, my husband and I, we have two kids. Our daughter has been into rock climbing indoor because I can't handle (laughs) outdoor for a child, but uh, for like five years. And and I, I like to be a good mother. And I, being a good mother, I believe I should love and support and be interested in anything that my kids are interested in, too. So early on into her rock climbing journey that she's been doing, and she's very strong. She has upper body strength that I I don't have with my own proportional body. (laughs) So one day she was like, I, because we even, so I'm into it, but I'm more of an admirer right? Like, wow, that's so cool. Yay, good job, right? Like, you can do it. Oh, you're great, right? So one day, she, we go to drop her off, because we kind of, you like stand back while the climbers climb. And she's like, can we all rock climb today? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why? Why would I do that? Like, I don't know if there's rock climbers in the room, but it is hard, y'all. And, um, so I said, of course, you know, whatever, it'll be fine. But I'm nervous, and I don't know if you've ever rock climbed or know what a belayer is. Okay, so I'll tell you. So, so you got to get strapped in, and the, the guy who's the belayer. So the belayer is the person that you're connected to, and they stay on the ground while you go up in the air. And this kid, I mean, he's obviously a grown man, but younger than me, and He's like, do you know what a belay is? Like, do you understand it? And I'm thinking, I mean, I, I have seen you with my, at the time, 90-ish daughter, 90-ish pound daughter, lifting her up into the air. But, you know, I've, uh, I've had two kids, and uh, I feel like they left some residual, right? And <laughs> so I'm a little, a little less confident in this child holding me up on a wall with some ropes. And he said... Uh, no, it, you don't need to be worried. He said, do you know how it works? And I said, well, yeah, yeah I have an idea. He's like, I don't think you know how it works. <laughs> he says, when we're connected and I'm on the ground, I am only focused on you. I am watching every move you make. When I feel like that you're unsafe, I pull you closer to me because I'm closer to the ground and I can support you. When I feel like you want to go a little further, I let the rope go a little bit and you go. And what was so cra- what was so interesting was as I was in the process of climbing, mind you, a novice, I felt comfortable to reach for peaks that I wouldn't have normally made. And I didn't make them. <laughs> But when I fell back, I looked back, and he was right there, locking eyes with me. When I moved to the left, he moved to the left, and he never let go. He never took his eyes off me. And what was interesting was, while I was so nervous, having someone completely focused on me not letting me go too far, but at the same time, allowing me to reach higher than I ever imagined, I was at peace. And that's what being anchored in God looks like in the practical sense. So how do we, how, how, why should we remain anchored in Jesus? 
first one is being anchored in God means having peace. Peace in scary situations. Peace when you're unsure of where the next step is going to be. Peace is when you're unsure as to where the next opportunity will come from. In Matthew 8, probably the most famous storm story in all the Bible, right? Verses 23 through 27, it says, um, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up onto the lake, so that the waves have swept over the boat. But as Jesus was sleeping, right, the disciples, <laughs> what says in Scripture, the disciples went and woke him up. But y'all know they were going crazy, right? Like, what is happening? <laughs> what are you doing, Jesus? You want us to die, right? And... Uh, in scripture, it says, he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and wondered, who could this man be that even the wind and the waves responded to him? We all know what that story is trying for us to say to share, right, to understand that they shouldn't have been worried because Jesus was there. But I, I love the story because even though, right, he was right, he was right there, right? They were still afraid. They were still afraid because they were looking out into the storm. They were still afraid because they were looking to their right and to their left, and they were nervous, and they didn't understand what was happening when they should have just looked at him, when they should have just been focused on him. He was resting. He was showing them that he, you rest with me, and sometimes I think it's because when we, when we look around and we're so consumed by the troubles that we see, we can't see, we get completely disconnected from him, and we don't realize that what we really should do is not look around, but look up, look down, be with him. Because we know that he's come. We know that he is coming. And because of that, we know that the worry has gone and it won't return. So we stay anchored with him because he brings peace to us while we are still going through the storm. So being anchored isn't just having peace in those difficult times. Being anchored is also being safe. Isaiah 54, 17, um, there's a really cool, I love worship music. There's a really cool uh, worship song. I actually can't even remember the name of it, but the lyric says, uh, Though the weapon may be formed, it won't prosper, right? And it's directly from Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon formed against you will prevail, and that you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. I love that scripture because I think when I first like heard it as a kid, I was like literally thinking like a sword, like, oh! you know, you know, I won't be injured, but it's more so of a, uh, 
when we're going through these storms in life, when things are coming at us, the painfulness, the heartbreak, it's not going to hurt us. It's not going to push us to, it's not meant to push us to where we are in pain and we are in misery because it's not coming from God, so it cannot have a victory over our life. And if we remain anchored in him, we realize that staying connected with him means that we're actually safe, safe not just from physical harm, right? No, safe from, when we're dealing, when we're, when we're in the kingdom and we're existing in the world, our safeness honestly comes from the traumatic, recognizing that the traumatic experiences that we experience will not take from us that they will be something that we will go through, that he will bring us through, but they will not harm us, right? Though the disappointments may come, though the heartbreak may come, though the betrayals may happen, we will come out better from it. Being anchored in God means walking in our purpose, When your life is chaotic and you lean into this chaos, as the disciples in the boats did, and you're looking to your left and your right of everything that's going wrong in your life, but you're not paying attention to what God has for you, we miss our purpose. We miss it. And oftentimes, the purpose that God has for us is bigger and so much better than what we can dream of ourselves. I remember um, when, I'm not, I'm not from Ohio, and, but I had an idea of where I felt I should live <laughs> in Ohio, if this has to be my state, right? This, <laughs> no offense, love Ohio, love Ohio. This is where I'm gonna live, right? This is what I want for my kids. This is what I want for my family. And I remember having, and having this very specific idea of the community that I wanted for my kids to grow up to. I had this dream of walking my kids to school every day, and I did not want to let go of that dream. I could not imagine it, and our lives got very stormy, and God was showing me, God wanted me to focus on him, but I couldn't, I was too busy focused on the dreams that I had imploding. And what's funny is <laughs> um, once I corrected myself and I turned back into him, the peace that came from not walking my kids to school, I mean, it can only be Jesus to drive down 480 every day <laughs> and not be, right? The what he had for our family, I couldn't have dreamt in my wildest dreams. And so being anchored in him means that we're walking in the purpose, right? And the purpose that he has for us, like he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that it's the plans that he has are plans of good. They're not to harm us. Stay and connect, but stay, you have to remain connected in with him because we'll miss it. We'll miss it and we don't understand it because me letting go of my dream of how I wanted my, our kids to, to live, I thought it was hurt. 
But in that moment of trying to fulfill that dream, I was hurting so deep. Letting go of that has given me the greatest peace. And not just peace, but the blessings that flow from you, especially in talking to the parents in the room or the mentors, when you listen to him and the blessings that come to your children from that is, is better than silver and gold. So now that we know the why, right, why we should remain anchored in God, how do we do it? How do we behold Jesus's presence amongst our life's messes? Well, first, we behold it by studying his word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Lord of, excuse me, for the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Bible is not the Bible, is, is not just this book that we sit down on a coffee table or, in a, or on a bookshelf. I had recently heard someone liken the Bible to an actual library, which so true, blew me away, that you go there and you see, just like you go into a library trying to find specific topics, that's what you do for the Bible. And so you probably won't be surprised, though, that the Guinness Book of World Records says that the Bible remains the best-selling book of all time. That's, that's wonderful. I love that. As much as I love the Bible, and I have a few that have seen better days because I have, I have <laughs> grasped the pages so much. I actually recently got one on my phone because I'm like, I'm always, I've written so much in there that it's like, what? <laughs> where is the Word of God? <laughs> but what I'd also learned was that while it's the most purchased book through all of time forever that they have recorded, it's also the least uh, amongst Christians. We don't we don't read it that much, right? I was looking at this. Uh, I was looking for some Christian metrics about the Bible and was kind of you know again like I had my own my own idea of what it was like. Eighty percent of Christians read their Bible every day, right? I was think I was eighty. I was being conservative, right? It's more like ten percent. 10% of Christians read their Bible every day. And like about 39% read it multiple times throughout the year, but not cover to cover, like pick it up and actually look at it. And I know life's busy, right? I'm one that has so many things going on in my life. Sometimes it is, it is difficult to pull it out and to open it and to look at it or to pull your phone out and to swipe to it. But I don't know one meaningful relationship, and I'm speaking now as a wife, <laughs> that, that works without daily, daily involvement. And if we don't, if we don't read his word and invite his presence with us, if we don't pull him into our daily lives, when the storms of the life come, what are we, what are we, what are we thinking, Right? What's, what's invading our minds? Because it can't be his word if it's not there. But if it's there, 
when the storms of the life come, we can say, oh yes, I remember. I remember reading that. I remember knowing that. I remember you said that it is not called for us to worry, but that we should actually, we should give everything to you. I remember that. This storm will pass. This is not important to me. This is not my battle. I remember. I remember when you rescued so-and-so. I remember when you did this miracle. This will happen. This can happen for me. Because if we, if we become encapsulated with his word, that when the world attacks us, it's not the world that's invading our minds. It's his word that's spilling out. It's his word that's covering every thought and every worry and every fear. So for us to, how, to remain angered in him, we got to know him. We got to know the words that he has written for us, and we got to live it, and we got to keep it into our heart, and that's the only truth that we hold on to. And so then we can say, yes, now, I remember, I'm sorry, had a lapse. The storm is over now. So then we don't just read his word, but we have to rejoice and be thankful and be glad that he's come. Philippians 4.4, right, I love I think a lot of us love Philippians 4, 7, like we know it. And with Philippians 4, before that, before it says the prayer, it says to rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. You know, anxiousness and joyfulness, they operate at the end of the emotional spectrum. I mean, unless maybe like you're a chihuahua. (laughs) But we're not. (laughs) We are humans. (laughs) So we, we cannot be joyful and anxious at the same time. We have to have joy first, and that is what God wants us to do. We, we have joy, and his victory over death means that our betrayal with our best friend doesn't matter as much because he has shown us what he's capable of. That is his Holy Spirit that has empowered us to be able to discern between what is of him and what is not him. And so let's cling to only those things that are of him. And so we rejoice in that. And every day, every moment, every time, we replace the fear and the worry and the doubt with thankfulness and gladness and joyfulness and victory because we serve a God that has conquered death. So what can't he help us with? Nothing. He can help us with everything. There's nothing he can't be with us for. So not just thankfulness, but we behold his presence through the storms, through prayer. Philippians 4, 6, 8, which is really one of my favorite scriptures. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petitioning, With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things Because, y'all, he wants it all. I I love prayer, and uh, I pray a lot. 
I pray a lot. I mean, honestly, I feel like if you talk a lot, you should probably pray a lot. <laughs> I'm a big talker. Um, and I... <clears throat> the last part in Philippians, uh, when Paul says, you know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, think about such things. I pray a lot, and sometimes my, my prayer life intersects with society, <laughs> most of the time unexpectedly, because I actually work to be a very buttoned-up person. I don't show a whole lot of emotion in my professional life or when I'm, you know, interacting with teachers, with my kids. Our, we put our son in a different school this year, and at the beginning of the, they had like parent orientation or whatever, and the, and I've been praying, I've gotten prayer here, I was praying all summer because of, of the uh, anxiousness I carried, which I shouldn't have, and I was trying to give it away, and so this guy, who I don't know is a believer, honestly, Doug, he's awesome though. He says, uh, he, he stood up and, he's, and he said, I want you all to just stop worrying and just be their parents. So our son, he is dyslexic and he's doing great actually. I mean, in years to come, you won't even know this is what he carries with him. I, I hadn't been Gavin's mother for a while. I was his teacher, his prayer partner, his uh, reading specialist that I'm not qualified in because for so long we didn't know what was going on. And in that moment, when he said stop, I heard... Whatever is lovely, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, think about such things. And I thought in that moment, Jesus was talking to me, not Doug. He was saying, just stop and just stay with me. Let me take care of him. And you be kind and think of good things and it was lovely, and in that moment, thanks, Mike, I was at peace. But I got there through prayer, a lot of it. And so these are the things that we can do to behold Jesus' presence when the storms of the life comes. And his presence that we are refreshed through the storm and find our way through it. And it is through him that we can maintain joy. He sees us through the storm. And it is only in his presence that we have peace. And we are able to realize the storm has no power. To realize that the storm is over because we're at the center with him. 
So instead of calling another storm cloud to your life, instead of, and not just believing the lyrical reminders that the storm is over, now let's hold fast to who God is and what he has shown us. Let's remember the words in which that he has poured out for us to read and to internalize. Let's remain anchored in him so that we can have peace by believing and resting in his word through his study. Let's give thanksgiving to him because he knows we will keep us safe. We know that. And let's walk in our purpose by remaining connected to him in prayer.